Psalm 32. For the first time, I won't read the whole psalm up until the verse I'm going to cover. Uh, We're on verse 9, but I'll just read verses 8 and 9. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we ask you to open our ears to hear and to understand. We pray, Lord, that your spirit would guide us and that you would uh, guide us not only in understanding, but in application of truth in the week ahead. We thank you for all of these many uh, promises of Scripture in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. So the reason I started with uh, verse 8 and not read the whole thing is I'm going to read a little bit more to you anyway. And so I didn't want to have to read the whole thing and then again repeat, but I will recap verses 7 and 8. And so that's what leads us up to verse 9. Now in verse 7... David culminated this self-reflection and reaching out to others with this address directly to God. And he had said, you are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. So this is David's clear, unequivocal faith in God to protect him. So then God responds, And he said, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. So this is a little different, really, than what David had said. What David had said is, you are my strong tower. You are my fortress. You are where I can hide. I want to hide. And what does God say? I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go, and I will guide you with my eye. And so God is more or less affirming David and his faith and his confidence in him, but pretty much redirecting him back out into the fray. Then God says this, Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. So see, why would God need to say that? David has given this wonderful affirmation of God and the power of God to protect us. And then this, God tells him, oh, you're going to get back out there and, and don't be like the horse or the mule. Well, remember Elijah, what had happened. Elijah expressed total confidence in God on the mountain, taunting the prophets of Baal. And yet, when Jezebel heard what had happened, she had absolutely no fear of God. And she sent someone to tell him, it's your head now. And what happened to Elijah? All of his courage abandoned him. He fled. He ran for days. He was in panic mode after having been so successful on the mountain. So see, God knows how fickle we are. He knows our hearts. He knows what we need to hear. Uh, Another thing that came to mind was what Jesus told the Pharisees and scribes. He says, you pay tithe, but then you neglect these weightier matters of law and faith and justice. See, sometimes I think we want to major in the minors. We want to major in study, and yet we want to minor in the application of that study to our lives. And see, that's where it's important. That's where it's more important than just learning it. 
And I think we Presbyterians, that's kind of a besetting sin of us. We love knowing it, but do we love doing it? And God is telling David, do it. And then he says, do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding. Now, I ask you this, of what do the horse and the mule have no understanding? I think horses and mules understand things like hanging out, being in this wonderful green field where they can just eat that wonderful grass, mating. I think they like that. They can understand and relate to that. So of what do mules and horses have no understanding? Of God, of their duties before God. So see, that's exactly what God is saying. It's not enough to regard me as your protector, as your strong tower in your fortress. You must also be my servant. You must be my faithful and obedient children who long to do my will. So, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle else they won't come near? God should not need bit and bridle to get us to do what He wants us to do, right? Yet, how often have we as parents thought maybe a bit and bridle would be handy with our children at times, right? I mean, we can give them their chore assignments. We can put it on the refrigerator. It doesn't mean they're going to do it. Our children are often unwilling to do what it is that we want them to do, and they do not do it until we remind them of it. That gets tiring. That gets old. We want our children to embrace these as their responsibility. And yet, God is like that with us too, isn't He? Where is God's refrigerator that He has this list on for each of us that we neglect and ignore? It's right here, isn't it? Yeah. And where do we put this when we get home? I don't know, on an end stand, wherever. And so we are as bad as our children in not doing what God wants us to do. So see, what is it that we want with our children? It's the same thing God wants with us. So when we go to our children and we have to implore them, remind them, cajole them, encourage them, we want it to become a habit with them. Do they need to love it? No. They just need to become diligent at doing it. And yet, their diligence will lead them into the practice of a deeper understanding of why they're doing it, what good it is for them, how they're serving the family in doing this. Eventually, if you're successful, it becomes something that they are willing to do, and then it becomes something that they are fulfilling by doing. They're being who you've raised them to be. They're fulfilling these goals. It's not just the chore anymore. It's not the item. It's something bigger than that. It's their purpose. So see, are we willing to obey God and do His purpose? Or do we just want to be safe from the enemies and protected by God? Are we lazy, good-for-nothing children to God? That's what God is plainly telling David. He says, I, I know I'm your strong tower, your fortress. That's wonderful. But get back out there. Jesus had said this, and I, I think it's you know, one of the most beautiful things that he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle 
My yoke is easy and my burden is light. What are the first words that he tells us? Take my yoke upon you. See, it's not like Jesus comes up and takes that yoke and slams it on our head into the harness, is it? It's very gentle. He says, take it upon you. Do it. He's a very understanding parent. He's attempting to encourage us into this lifestyle. So the yoke is easy, though. And he tells us that. It is easy than the alternative. Without God's yoke on us, we are like the wild horse and mule who are off getting into trouble. We don't want to be like those. We want to be in God's service, being poured out for His glory. So God does not want us to be resistant to this. He wants us to will for it, to want it, and He wants us to be more than horses and mules. He wants us to be His children, His loving children who faithfully serve Him. And so as we come to the table, we're reminded of the fact that we are in his family. This is his table. It's not our table. It's not your table. It's not Dominion's table. It's God's table. He provides this. He's provided the love and the acceptance that's behind this. So as we come forward, let's be willing and obedient and faithful and loving servants to God this week. Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray, Lord, that you would have us to not just have it enter into our minds, but also use it to direct our wills and to guide us into acts of service for you this day and in the days ahead. We thank you, Lord, for all of your many uh, blessings to us. You have placed all of these treasures in men, and we thank you, Father. We ask you to be with us now and grow us as your children. In Christ's name we pray, amen.